Good morning. I'm Pastor Nick. Welcome to our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. We hope today's message will be a help to you. May God bless you. Well, during the last few months, I have found myself using the microwave a little bit more often than I normally have. Any of you use the microwave a lot? Some of you, yeah, that's how some of you cook and that's okay, if it works for you, why not, right? But one of the things that puzzles me is how people can eat food that was meant to be hot, temperature-wise, cold. Do you know what I'm saying? I think some of you just need to wake up a little, right? You seem like you're a little cold today, right? I, I, just, I just don't understand. See, my husband is one of those people. And, and I don't know what it is, but like, I don't know if he's like afraid of the microwave or something, but he, he doesn't care to warm up food. And if he does, he doesn't warm it for as long as it needs to be warm. Do you know what I mean? And there's some food that you just can't enjoy if it's not hot. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? Some food you can't enjoy if it's not hot. Now, some of you may disagree with me, but if it's cold and I can warm it, I choose to use the microwave and warm it up. Right? That's what it's there for. I'm, I'm not afraid to use it. But... You know, other people are okay with eating cold food. If I can help it, I'm just not one of them. In the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, God gives a message to each of the seven churches. And one of the specific letters that he gives to uh, one of the churches is to the church of Laodicea. And this is in Revelation chapter 3. Here he talks to them about some of the issues that were concerning uh, to them and for them in that day. Now, Laodicea, let me tell you a little bit about them. They were the wealthiest of the seven cities, known for its banking industry, manufacture of wool, and a medical school that produced eye ointment. If we have uh, the monitors on, if we can just turn that off, please. So this city had a lot of wealth and a lot of things going for them. But one thing that they struggled with was their water supply. They struggled with their water supply. And at one point, there was an aqueduct that was built to bring water from the city into the city from hot springs. So they would, it would travel through. But by the time it got to the city from the hot springs, it was what they would consider lukewarm. It wasn't hot anymore, but it also wasn't cold. It was lukewarm. And so they had this ongoing issue with their water supply. The church had become as bland as their water supply in the city. And so Jesus makes a reference to them being lukewarm, and it was a reference that they understood all too well. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Revelation chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 14. 
Revelation chapter, sorry, Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word? Verse 14 says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, an ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see." I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you on this first Sunday of January in 2024 that you are here moving in our midst. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit being with us, and we pray that indeed you would move, that you would challenge our hearts and our minds, and Lord, although this message that you have given is a heavy one, we pray that you would help us to be diligent, that you would help us to be serious, that you would help us, God, to receive it in the right spirit, and that you would help us, Lord, indeed, to take action, to bring about the changes that you desire. And so, Father, we pray for your blessing upon this time. We commit this time into your hands. May your spirit move and work and have your way, God. We desire for all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise to be given to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. Right at the beginning of this letter, we see that Jesus writes here, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. See, when God says that he knows everything that we do, he literally knows everything about everything. So he knows everything that we do and everything that we don't do. He knows us better than we know ourselves because he created us. And he knows exactly who we are and what we're like. In Psalm 139, the first three verses says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Listen to this. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. 
God knows everything about us. And in this letter, he says to the church in Laodicea, I know all the things you do. You see, the Lord knows everything we do, and he knows where we are spiritually. He knows everything that we do, and he knows where we are spiritually in our walk with him. We cannot pretend with God. We cannot try to be something that we're not with God. You see, we can dress the right way. We can say all the right words. We can play the part well. But when we come before God, he sees through it all. He sees the depths of our heart. He sees our failures, our mistakes, our insecurities. He sees the things that we're worried about, the things that we're not good at. He sees it all, yet he loves us the same. He knows everything there is to know about us. He knows. You know, sometimes... We can get upset if we do something and nobody notices, right? We, we go out of our way to do something and nobody said thank you to me. Nobody acknowledged that I did this. Nobody, you know, gave me anything for this. There are times where we may feel that way as human beings, because of course we want to receive gratitude. We want to know that people care and that they are thankful for whatever it is that we did. But let me remind you today that God sees all and the Bible tells us that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Our labor in the Lord does not go without reward. And so it doesn't matter if human beings see the things that we do or not. God is able to reward us so much more than any human could ever give us praise for. God is able to bless us beyond measure. He is able to help us. He is able to empower us. He is able to give us what no other person can give because he knows everything that we do. The fact that God knows everything that we do and everything about us can either be a very good thing or a very bad thing, depending on our relationship with him. It can either be a very, very good thing because if we know God by name, if he knows us and we have a relationship, then there's no fear. He has given us the right to be children of God. We can boldly approach his throne. We can come before him and present our needs. But if we don't know God and he doesn't know us, then one day when we stand before the throne of God, it will be a very scary thing. And God knows everything there is to know about us. And it is important that we continue to strive to grow in our relationship with him. You see, the Christian walk is a journey. There is a start when we choose to accept Christ and we put our faith in him. And there's a finish when we one day get to heaven. And in between, it is up to us to continue on that journey, to persevere and to press on toward the mark that is in front of us. It is up to us to make the effort. See, we can become a Christian at a young age and live our entire life without ever reaching spiritual maturity if we don't put the effort in. 
So spiritual maturity isn't about how old you are. It's about how much effort you're putting in your relationship with God. And so we need to put that effort in like any relationship. If we don't put that effort in, we'll never grow and we'll never go further. Laodicea was a wealthy city and the church was also wealthy. But the Laodiceans could see and buy all of these things, all of these material possessions, and it now became more important to them than things that they could not see, things that have eternal value. And so in this letter, God is rebuking them and he is correcting them by pointing out to them that you have all of this. You say that you have all of these things. You say that, you know, you have, you're rich. You have everything you need. You don't need anything else. But they were looking at their material possessions instead of their spiritual treasures that were hidden on high in heaven. You see, friends, stuff cannot save us. Stuff will come and stuff will go, but it is not of eternal value in the kingdom of God. The only thing that has eternal value is our relationship in Christ. That is the only thing that we can count on. That is the only thing that can save us. And so the Laodiceans were looking at all of these material things, all of the wealth that was accumulated. We have this, we have that, we don't need anything else. And so he calls them out and he says, you know, you have all this, but buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. He's talking about real spiritual treasure here. He, he says, buy white garments from me. Not physical garments, but the garments of Christ that clothes us in righteousness so that spiritually we will not be naked. He says to them, buy your ointment for your eyes from me. See, they had a medical school that produced this ointment that helped to heal eyes. But although they could physically see, they were spiritually blind. And they needed God to open up their eyes. They needed God to show them the truth and to help them. Christ was showing the Laodiceans that true value did not lie in material possessions, but it was in Christ alone. Nothing but Christ gives us that eternal value. This year, I want to challenge all of us, myself included, to be more intentional in our walk with Christ. I want to challenge you to make an effort in your relationship with Christ, not just because you're saved, but because you are saved. It should move you to want to go deeper, to want to learn more, to want to grow closer, to want to strengthen your faith and build your character. And so that can only happen when we put the effort in ourselves. And so whether that is joining a Bible study, a small group, maybe waking up a half an hour earlier than you normally do so you can have some time of prayer, whatever it is, be intentional and make an effort to put that in with God. So the people of Laodicea thought that they had it all figured out, that they were doing well, but their main issue like the water supply, was that they were lukewarm. They had become lukewarm in their faith. And in verse 16, it says, but since you are like lukewarm water, 
neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. Friends, let that sink in for a minute. Do you understand how disgusted God could be to say that he would spit them out of his mouth? Do you understand that? Listen, I know this is a heavy message, but this is the message that God gave me for us. And so I want you to to listen and to receive it. And, And this is no judgment because I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you today. And for God to say that I will spit you out of my mouth is a scary thing. It's a scary thing and it needs to alert us and give us that urgency to wake up and to say there's some changes that need to happen here. There are some things that I need to change in my life because I don't want to be in that category I don't want to be the kind of people that God says is lukewarm, that he's going to spit out of his mouth. You see, the Lord detests a half-hearted commitment, and he expects us to pick a side. The Lord detests a half-hearted commitment and expects us to pick a side. The believers in Laodicea didn't take a stand for anything. Their indifference had led to idleness. And by neglecting their relationship in Christ, the church had become hardened and it was now basically destroying itself. They thought they were good. They thought they didn't have to do anything. You know, we know all the right words. We know what to do. We know what to say. But God went deeper than that. God wanted them to go deeper. He wanted them to understand that it wasn't just about calling themselves a church or believers, but it was actually about being a believer and taking part. When I was in high school, I know I don't look athletic, but I was really athletic, okay? And, and so, uh, you know, I played volleyball and I swam and, you know, ran a little bit and whatnot. And one day, my friends in high school said, uh, are you going to try out for the, the girls' field hockey team? Now, I didn't know what field hockey was. Never played it, never watched it. I didn't know anything about it. How many of you know what field hockey is? Okay, okay, some of you, okay. So I didn't know what it was. But somehow, after school, my friends convinced me to go to the tryouts for field hockey. Now, I just went because I guess I had nothing to do and it was after school, why not, right? What's the worst that could happen? So I go to the field hockey tryouts and I don't remember exactly you know, what they asked you to do, but somehow I made the team. I made the team. Now, you don't need to clap because unfortunately they didn't have enough numbers. So everybody who went to the tryout made the team. All right, so I figured, you know what? I'm on the team. I didn't care for it. I didn't even want to play field hockey. I didn't even know how to play field hockey. But you got to miss classes for some of the games, right? And when you miss those classes, the teachers, because you were on the team, they weren't really strict about making you make up the work. So I decided, why not? (laughs) I'm part of the field hockey team now, right? So uh, I was on the field hockey. But... 
In going to those games, I would always make sure that I went to the coach before the game started and I said, I'm happy to be a sub. I will sit on the bench. I will cheer for the team. I will bring you water. I will do whatever you want. I don't want to play. And when I did have to play or get subbed in, are you following me here? Okay, so when I did have to go in to play, I would do all I could to stay out of the way and let those who actually wanted to be there play. I would just make myself, you know, unseen in a corner and not play. But you see, I tell you that story to say this, that just the way I didn't care to be on that team, just the way I was only there for the benefits and privileges of being on the team but didn't actually want to, there are times in our Christian walk where we desire to have the benefits and the privileges of being called a Christian and having a relationship with God, but we don't actually want to be on the team or do the work that is necessary. You see, if we are part of a team, then we need to be a team player. We need to contribute to that team. We need to make sure that we are encouraging, that we are doing our part, that we are pulling our weight, that we are identifying, and that we are proud to be on God's team. Friends, God is calling us today to pick a side. He is calling us today to make a commitment, to no longer be half-hearted in our walk with him, to no longer say, I'm going to follow God halfway or when it's convenient for me or when I have time or when I feel like it or when things are going right. God is calling us to make a choice and to pick a side. He is calling us to move. It's either him or the world. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we read a story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he's gathering the, the people together. And he goes before the people in verse 21. And this is what he says to them. He says to them, how long will you waver between two opinions? He says, if, if the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said, nothing. You see, the people had come to this point of just being on the fence, sitting on the fence and not wanting to pick a side, not wanting to make a decision. But he says, if the Lord is God, then follow him. What more do you need? But if Baal is God, then follow him. It's time to pick aside. It's time to choose this day whom you will serve. It is time to say, I'm going to stand up and stand for what's right. Because if we are not for God, then by default, we're against him. And it is time for us as a church to stand up and to pick a side and to say, God, I will follow you no matter the cost. I will follow you because I fear you more in reverence than I do any other person. Church, we need to pick a side. When it comes to gender issues, pick a side. When it comes to abortion, pick a side. When it comes to the definition of marriage, pick a side. When it comes to which God you're going to believe in, we need to pick a side. Are we on the side of God? Don't settle for a faith that is halfway, but go all the way. Be fully invested. 
Don't be a follower. Don't just say that you are, but truly decide that you are going to be one. As I was studying this passage in Revelation chapter 3, I noticed that it was very interesting that at the end of each of the letters to the different churches, and you can look at this on your own, but there was some sort of variation of the same last verse that we see in verse 22. In verse 22 of chapter 3, it says, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. And after every letter, he says the same thing and adds just a little bit more. You see, if God repeats himself about something, it must be important. If God is going to repeat himself over and over, which he does, then it is important for us to pay attention and to say to ourselves, this must be important and I need to listen to what God is saying here. And so we need to understand that God is saying, if you have ears to hear, then hear. But he's not saying that ears to hear in a literal sense with our physical ears. He is saying that you need to learn to listen to when my spirit moves. And you can only do that when you are in tune with my spirit. Because spiritually, God speaks to us. He moves in our midst. He continues to reveal himself in different ways. And oftentimes, because we're not in tune with God's spirit, we can miss what he's trying to say to us. We can miss the moving of his Holy Spirit. You see, the Lord speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, and it is up to us to learn to listen. The Lord speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, and we need to learn to listen. A couple months ago, I got really upset with my husband because I was cooking in the kitchen and, you know, being a good wife to him. And, you know, I decided I was going to clean up everything right away so it was going to be done. So I called him over. He was watching a soccer game or something. I called him over and I said, can you put these towels, you know, they're dirty towels, can you go and put them in the laundry basket in the laundry room, right, which was not far. And so, you know, I gave it to him and I said, you know, go put them in the laundry basket. Little while later, I went to the laundry room because I decided I'm going to put in a load of laundry. Well, do you know where my towels were? He threw them in the garbage. Instead of him paying attention, he was too busy and occupied with the sport that was on TV and what was going on that he threw my towels in the garbage. And they were good towels. But you know what? I couldn't take them out because I'm not like that. I'm like grossed out by it already. And there's other stuff in the garbage. And I know, you know, people are like, well, you can wash them. But it was just too far gone for me, right? So I'm like, okay, you owe me towels, right? <laughs> you owe me towels. But you see, friends, when we choose not to pay attention to God, 
When we choose to be preoccupied by what's going on in the world, what's going on around us, what's happening in, in, in our world, then we often can miss. And even though God has given us instruction, even though God has told us what to do and what he expects of us, even though God repeats himself over and over, we often miss it because we are the ones who are not listening. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We are almost out of time. This is Pastor Nick Stavropoulos. If you would like to hear and or watch the whole message, please go to our website, rosewoodchurch.ca. Our biggest concern is that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Lord. Forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the grave and is now in heaven, preparing a place for all of us who believe. Today, I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. If you would like to contact us at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, our phone number is 416-298-9932. Our email is office at rosewoodchurch.ca. This ministry is supported financially by people like you. If you would like to make a donation, you can send your gift by e-transfer to offerings at rosewoodchurch.ca. That's O-F-F-E-R-I-N-G-S at rosewoodchurch.ca. Or you can mail your check to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue, Scarborough, Ontario. Thank you for giving to support this preaching and teaching ministry. I'm Pastor Nick, wishing you God's blessings throughout this week. Amen.